good afternoon everybody and welcome to Hockey 24-7 on tour. We are down at the Indoor Hockey RPT in Durban and uh, it's been a, a, a great event so far. Some uh, load shedding difficulty, some humidity but ultimately at the point of time we're in the quarterfinal stage of the women's game and I've grabbed across the Western Province coach and a good friend of mine AJ. AJ let's go straight into it. Um, First and foremost, you've just come out of a very comfortable uh, quarterfinal win. How are you guys feeling? Yeah, I think we're feeling really good. Um, we've <clears throat> had a very good, obviously, like you say, quarterfinal win. Um, group stages was tough. Um, we won every game by one goal, but uh, most of those games could have gone either way. So we, we've done really well. We've worked really hard, and we're looking forward to obviously improve the performances going forward. Yeah, and uh, if we look at the tournament so far, uh, it looked like you guys... Uh, battled through the group stages a little bit. I mean, you won three out of three, but 3-2 three, victory against Southerns, 3-2 victory against Pins. Uh, did that give you cause for concern, or is it just waiting for things to click into place? I think after the first game when we played Miners, Miners definitely arrived um, <clears throat> with quite a bit of an intensity. Um, I think we, we had a bit of a shock to the system. Um, we've, we've, there, was, there was a slight worry, but I think what we've done is we have fixed a few things along the way. Um, I think there's a few patches in the game where we not lost a bit of concentration, but we, we, we just got, we thought things were going to happen. We, we didn't make things work. Um, and I think from the first game to the last uh, group game, I think we definitely have improved the way we've played or way we've handled situations. Um, and I'm hoping, obviously, that whatever we take from the group stages, we learn and we eliminate those those things going forward into the playoffs. And of course, it's semi-finals, finals on one day tomorrow. What what do you tell the team now who have the rest of the day of today off? What do you guys do to make sure the girls stay focused and uh, don't get too bored or, or or lazy? Well, one of the things um, that I like to <coughs> emphasize is that once we finish the game and we've done our debrief, um, I like the girls to get their minds completely off the game. Um, I think we can get into a habit or get in, we can get into a bit of a rat thinking about, overthinking about things. I mean, this game this morning, we, we won comfortably, but there were a lot of things to take from it. And I think it's important that each girl, for after the game, for about half an hour to an hour, think about what they need to improve, how they need to improve, and then get their mind off. I and mean, we've got a nice, we've got a few activities planned. There's a lot of downtime that they're going to have now. Some of the girls still need to study. We've obviously got a lot of students in the side, so obviously that will take their mind off the game. But I think it's important. We have a, obviously a benefit that we had an early game and we've got some time away from the field and we've got a couple of fun activities that we've got planned for the girls just so that they stay relaxed because I think it's important going into, into a playoff stage um, to stay relaxed. And tomorrow gonna, it's going to be a taxing day irrespective of how you've played throughout the tournament. Uh, it's going to ask a lot of the girls tomorrow. And uh, if you could ask for a dream final, let's say you guaranteed to make the final, who would the dream final be against? Oh, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm one of those, one of those coaches that I've got to beat the best teams if I want to win. Um, looking at the, at the teams now, obviously your, your Raiders are still in, in my opinion, in Indo in South Africa, are still the team, always the team to beat. Um, they've, they've shown with the quality that they have in their side, the setups they have in their province of league structures. Um, they always the team to beat. I mean, obviously, we still you still have the likes of Southerns or the defending champions. You got inland that's always have a very experienced and strong side, and then you've you've still got a minor side that are 
not punching above the weight. They're playing. They're just here to play, and they're, they're also a strong side. So I don't think there's an exact answer. But if I do lean towards an answer, obviously, uh, a, a, a playing against a Raiders team is uh, is is obviously always nice. And um, yeah, but like I say, is any 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 team in the final, we've it, irrespective of what happens, we've, we've, to get the gold, we've got to beat the best teams. All right. So so let's step away from RPT a little bit. You're uh, almost what we'd call a, a hockey. Uh passionado kind of thing because uh, your own uh, interaction with hockey has been administrator you can umpire you can coach I mean for many years at IPTs that I've been at you've been part of the technical officials coaching last year you got a call up to coach the emerging Springbok emerging Proteas um, you've also assisted with the national team take us through your journey in hockey well um, for me it was a lot of my performances when I started as a player um, a lot of my good performances and my peak as a player happened or my the the time I really shone as a player was actually after school um, during school there were so many things going on and as an as an avid sportsman myself I was playing athletics I was playing rugby I was playing cricket I was playing all the sports I couldn't really focus on one but hockey was somehow always the one sport um, I then played for a couple of years but I, I my umpiring and my administration and my coaching side actually started in matric. Um, I tore a ligament in my knee playing a touch rugby tournament at the end of the year. Asses Prefects um, in 2003 hosted a sports tournament and we, we put a team together and I obviously had to play and I tore my ACL and I was out for a while and I made the conscious decision. Obviously, I wanted to get back as quickly as possible, but I made the conscious decision with my parents that I was going to take my whole matric year of not playing sport. And that opened up the door to one umpiring and two coaching so i ended up helping out the under 14 a side i also coached the under 16 b side so it gave me time along next next to the field and then it also opened up the umpiring channel for me i um, did my first under 14 ipt back then they used to have a south and north tournament i think they still do um, and then from there that's where my umpiring career started and my coaching career um, because i got a bit of a shock to the system where i said because in high school i just wanted to play sport there was no thought of studying there was no thought of of doing anything else but trying to either play cricket or play do, do athletics or um, play hockey for I just I didn't think about anything else but doing that and then obviously the injury opened up a bit of a, a gap and I thought to myself well listen if, if that happens again what am I going to do and that's where the coaching side of things opened up I started learning about the game a lot more um, the umpiring helped because I started seeing the game from a different perspective which I think helped my coaching and then subsequently helped my playing um, didn't never set the world alight playing but it, it definitely made me a better hockey player yeah look I, th I think uh, my own personal journey with hockey was I was a very average player but an avid coach mm -hmm. and I, I think for a coach to be effective they had to have played the game but maybe not at the highest level because I think you needed to have a difference you know when you play the game you're not always thinking about the big picture you're thinking about your big picture coaching you got to think a lot further um, and obviously over the past year, specifically on indoor hockey, you've seen your stock rise um, to the point that your name is being mentioned as a potential successor to Lenny Boerter, you alongside the likes of Brighty Mashaba and Calvin Price. Does that come with new pressure? Do you feel yourself being under more scrutiny from your province and schools and stuff? Or has it rather been that it's given rise to more support? I think it's, it's, it's helped me because it's helped me believe that this could be something that I could do. Um, I never thought about two to three years ago, never thought that potentially coaching a national side 
in a few years time i never thought it was a possibility um i think the nice thing about it is that when i was coaching at psi which is where my indoor coaching started we all the under 18 coaches back then were we always used to share i mean david josh is a very close friend of mine we always used to share about about different things and that helped me quite a bit so when when you start in the last couple of years when your name starts throwing out there i i there's a little bit of pressure here and there maybe to get results but i think the bigger picture here is that we are producing more indoor players and that's what my drive is my drive is yes i would I want to win tournaments. I want to be a successful coach, but to produce more players that we can keep growing. I mean, the, the, the pool in the South African setup is quite big at the moment. And if we can keep expanding that, and for me as a coach, that that drives me. And I mean, if you look at Calvin and Brighty, I've worked with them quite well. Cal, Calvin worked with me in the SA Emerging side. And I mean, yes, it adds a little bit of pressure, but I know that um, the, the support is there, but I also know that I'm constantly challenged. Um, when when we're discussing tactics or just uh, around the coffee table it, it it means that i've constantly got to um, be on ahead of my game um and that does help me a little bit uh, become a better coach um, also coaching different players helps but yeah not not as much pressure as as some people think it is but it's it's definitely something that that i'm excited about yeah and, and uh you know when we were in cape town for the sa island series you were obviously assisting the national team um yourself Myself, uh, Brati, Lenny to the coach, and Shiloh, the, the trainer, went and had a game of golf. And I'm going to give you the opportunity now to tell everybody who won that game of golf. If I, if I remember correctly, Lenny Boerter won by, won by one point. Um, I, was, I was the host, so I had to, I had to play within myself. Um, <laughs> I think the caveat was that I only played nine holes and <laughs> I left, so I couldn't win. Um, but also Lenny was keeping score. Yeah, Lenny's always competitive. We, we, we haven't had another match, and I'm hoping that the match happens soon between the four of us or five of us again. Um, and maybe this time we'll, we'll pull out all the stops. <laughs> all right, so again, if you're looking now part of the setup, the SA women, women's team, their last 53 test matches have seen 42 wins and just five defeats. Um, and, and I know in the past we've had some criticism from, from people saying, well, but you only play Namibia. Well, we don't anymore. We play Zimbabwe, we play Botswana, we play Namibia, we play Ireland, Czech Republic, Poland, Switzerland, three teams in the top 10 or actually top eight of the world. What is the secret to success do you think that Lenny Boerta has done with the girls? Because currently their win ratio is better than the netball woman, the cricket woman and Banyana Banyana. I think the key is that obviously the last qualifier didn't go as planned. Um, and, and that was something where um, I wasn't actively involved with the, with the side back then, but um, I was always, I was a bit concerned as to, as to what happened. But then I saw the plan that Lenny put in place and he said, like, this is what we were going to want to do. This is how I want to achieve it. And sometimes it, putting that, saying those things doesn't translate to work. And, and I think what he's done is to, to personally drive it himself to grow the at least the lady side of things has been really impressive i think um by slowly introducing new players into the setup which has helped i mean i i use jamie southgate as an example she came in as a new player a few uh, a couple of years ago and she's racked up i think almost close to 50 test matches um but th that is one of the keys is is bringing those players those one or two players in um that they can that they can start playing in an international setup i think the other key is that um we know that for us to be one of the best indoor teams in the world. We've got to compete with one of the best. Um, it's taken a bit of time um, to get the likes of Czech Republic and Poland to play against. 
But <clears throat> we've showed that by following through on the system of giving more players more opportunities to play test matches, you see the difference. I mean, there's no better substitute than the real thing. You know, you can play a lot of practice matches and that, but if you constantly play test matches, um, I think that's when the players grow. And, and I think that's one of the secrets to, to the success. And it's, it's unbelievable that they've achieved what they have, and I, and I foresee that they will achieve more. And we obviously um, hope, I'm, I'm really hoping that, the, that we obviously qualify at Africa Cup and then go to the World Cup and perform at the level that we've been performing, if not better. And obviously, uh, World Cup probably going to be a country like Switzerland or, uh, or back to Germany again, depending who, if uh, I have not named the host yet, but it's February next year, so 11 months away. Would you uh, hope to be part of the squad, or if not, would you be planning on going as a, a tourist? I would obviously definitely like to be part of the group. Um, I, I think obviously I can add a lot of value um, on the support support side of it. Obviously being involved at IPT and that and being involved with the squad for the last couple of years um, has definitely helped me. It's, it's given me a new look on the team. I understand international hockey a little bit better now. Um, yes, I would obviously love to be part of it. I, and definitely if I'm not part of it, I would love, I would love to be there as supported, supporting to the team, learning, because I know that being at something like a World Cup, even if I'm just there as a supporter, I think will be beneficial to me as a coach personally and and um, will help if I can bring that back in a few years' time, contribute back to South African hockey. I think that will be important. So either way, I mean, obviously I would love to be part of it, but either way, I think I think I need to be there to, to, for my personal game. And of course, you bring up personal there. Know of any good sports travel companies that can help us get there? Yeah, least. well, I mean, own, <laughs> my, own, my own travel company that I work for, I mean, we, we are looking after the South African um, Olympic team to Tokyo, provided uh, Tokyo goes ahead. Um, and obviously, we specialize in, in group, group travel. So, yeah, Team Sports Travel is definitely a company that you can use if, you, if you'd like to travel there. You now, I mean, I know you went over to Tokyo for a little bit of the, the World Cup. Did that experience of going there, supporting the Springboks in that culture, did that add anything to your thoughts around the, the hockey? I mean, is there some cross-pollination that we can learn from the success of the Springboks and the Springbok fans? Um, uh, Tokyo is a very interesting place. I mean, it's one of the, the most special places I've been to. Um, the amount of respect that, the, that the, the general public has for just for life, for the next human being, is, is really special. Um, the, the biggest factor from a physical side, obviously, the, the, the heat and humidity is, is quite a big thing. I mean, we were there at the end of October, middle to end of October, and it was really hot and, and sticky and humid. Um, I, it's a, what's very nice about it is a very easy city to get, to get used to. Um, I, I don't think that there's too many um, things that we'll need to prepare for the only thing for me is is the weather um preparing for that type of weather um obviously durban on its hottest day or even cape town lately has been probably good opportunity to try and match that that's very difficult too i think the the one challenge is obviously the travel time uh, travel time i think they'll probably need to get there a little bit earlier just to acclimatize a little bit but japan's a really really special place or tokyo's a really special place and i, I think that we'll be able to adapt quite comfortably your stock has risen in indoor hockey, but I know you're involved in outdoor as well. Where, where does the passion lie? Definitely with indoor. Um, I, I obviously, I've coached indoor um, for quite some time, especially on the PSI side. I've learned a serious amount of it. 
Um, I still am an avid fan of the, the outdoor game, but uh, I do see more of a future in the indoor game than I do in the outdoor. I'm not cancelling out opportunities in the outdoor setup, but I just think it's, it's, a, it's a place that I've dedicated a lot of my time that I, that I feel I can, I can add, add serious value to, to South African hockey and to Western province hockey. Oh, which is fantastic. And, you know, many of us look at it and, and, and truly believe that from a coaching point of view, we should stop dividing our, our coaches and make them coach both indoor and outdoor. I'd love to see more indoor specialists and more outdoor specialists. Um, and, you know, I want to see coaches come to IPT that are indoor coaches, not outdoor coaches that have been forced to coach uh, indoor for their, their provinces. And it, it's, it's a good point you make because indoor is such a vastly different game. I and mean, we, we just recently had the FIH um, indoor level one course, the first ever indoor official indoor course, indoor coaching course that was offered a certification um, in the world. And obviously you South Africa as, a, as, a, as an area because indoor hockey has grown so much, especially from the junior ranks. Um, yeah, I think um, there, there's so many fundamental differences in the game that you can't, um, you can't just transition quite easily from outdoor to indoor. I think there's a, there's a big menta- mentality switch from the technical side and tactical side of the game. Obviously, there's, there's obviously fundamental differences. Um, and I do think we have a lot of those coaches. I just think there needs to be a more, um, more technical side. I think from in a South African perspective, in our, in our, in our junior ranks, we... we there's probably a lot more technical ability that we need to try and train at the younger younger level. Um, uh, tactically, I think the game is uh, it's a it's a tricky game because it's obviously the you can't lift the ball. The area is quite small. There's a there's ten ten outfield players on the court. So tactically, you you'll need to be clever um, and also you need to be challenged. So I think that's that's some of the things that I think as coaches in South Africa we need to work on. Um, I know personally I need to work on a lot of those things to to take my teams to the next level but i mean that comes with time no look and, and of course what we've seen is we've seen progress uh you coached province last year you coached this year um you know you saw last year you had experienced players like quinita bobs and jade main available not available now you're just pulling more youngsters in and you know it takes time to embed those learnings into your team yeah and i think with the province setup i think it's it, there was a, there was quite a big shift um, at the start of last year, a lot of players um, stopped playing and we needed to somehow get a new system going. Um, Western Province haven't won gold in a while, um, in the at least in the ladies' setup. The, the boys obviously won last year. So the idea was to try and bring in players that have obviously been playing indoor for a while, but start exposing more players to it. So I've seen already in the, in the Western Province setup, we've got a, a lot more players playing the game, a lot more players arriving at trials, a lot more players playing in the league. So we're in a good space at the moment. I think it's going to take us a few more years to, to really make sure that we have um, a bigger pool of players that are competing. I think this year we are, we are so fortunate. We have a Penn side that are, they, they really it is a strong team. Um, you have a few, one or two players that played in the A side in the past that are playing, playing for them. Um, and I think that that shine of progress of, of players that really want to be interested in it. So so yeah, it's been two years. Um, I still think we've we've got a bit of time before, um, as as Western Province will will be at our peak, and which is very exciting. I mean, our average age in our side is twenty, but I think that's the general it's a general age roughly for most of the teams at the moment, um, which is good to see. And that means if you look at the next five to ten years of indoor hockey, it's going to be it's going to be very very good to watch. The level is high. 
um, players have a better skill level or uh, just because they've been playing for a long time. So it's really exciting to see. And you've been involved in Pro Series Indoor PSI, as we, we call it, uh, right throughout. And, and obviously that's supplying us a, a host of players right now. How, uh, what is the PSI, what is PSI all about for you? For me, it's about, obviously, the one part of that is when I, when I speak to hockey players, they, there's one thing they look forward to other than anything else at the end of the year, and that is PSI. It's just a serious amount of fun. It's a, it's a spectacle. Um, it's, it's just the guys at, at Pro Series Indoor have put on one heck of a show, and it's, it's just really, really cool to see thousands of kids to play a game of indoor um, and be that passionate about it. For me, it's, a, it's, a, it's an opportunity to, to coach at a really high level. I mean, the, the, the level's really good, and it's also be challenged on a different level now you're playing with with maybe under 18 players under 16 players and you've got a you've got a short time to produce a team that can for instance win a medal um i've been involved in it in a while and this every year has been completely different i've had teams that have won gold medals i've the teams that have been fighting for relegation but everything that that's what's special about it because the new crop of school kids that come through is a different crop from the year before um you you don't know what you're going to get so and that on another scale i think has helped me has challenged me and helped me as a coach because sometimes i don't have the best players and sometimes i do have the best players and it's how you as a coach manage and 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 try and get that team working together yeah and, and obviously psr started in cape town it started in whiteberg military base cape seals were the first franchise mm-hmm. simon martin is a western province boy why have western province struggled over the past decade with the amount of kids that play indoor hockey to convert that into domination at a provincial level? I think at one stage, and, and we obviously had a very, very good league. We, we, we still, we've, the league has been on the rise. It, it took a bit of a dip and there wasn't any, um, any club leagues um, for a bit of time. We've, we've now gone back into it and you can start seeing the growth of the game. I don't know if it was, and it's very interesting, I'd love to do a study on this, I don't know if it was attractive enough for, for maybe high school kids leaving school to play. Um, I know now it's attractive because players are looking at it and saying, oh, okay, um, we've got young players that have made the national side, there's an opportunity for me. Um, and I think that's where we're at at the moment. I, I, I also think maybe we should, we should be looking at um, things like under-21 teams or under-23 teams because that would naturally give your under-18 kids that are leaving school an opportunity to make a pro- provincial team that maybe they wouldn't have made it a senior ladies or senior men's team. So maybe that's something that, that, that we could put in. Um, I think the... Um, so yeah, there was no natural progression from high school out. Um, I do think that is improving now. We've got a league... Um, we've got clubs, I mean, like Milneton, who um, are driving force in, in, in Western Roms League at the moment. Um, and I think we're on the right track. We're back on track, let's put it that way. Yeah, I think, um, you know, Province has a fantastic, two fantastic university sites. Um, but unfortunately, those universities don't focus on indoor hockey at all. There's no real indoor hockey focus for varsities with varsity sports, USA, under-21s. So I think that is a challenge, but it's great to hear the clubs because I think that's, that's for me, the focus area. That's where it's going to grow into hockey in the province is if the clubs, Western Province Cricket Club, Milnitz and Pinelands, if they take the, the bull by the horn, Marty's and UCT will jump along. 
Yeah, I think, um, and the interesting fact about that is that obviously in the past, Marty's was never never fielded a, a side. So they, they now field like a Winelands team, which is majority of some of the girls in my team. So I've got girls in my side from Marty's, UCT, and one player from Central. Um, I, I, I certainly hope that they do look to obviously adding that to their program. I think indoors of a fundamental game especially for your outdoor game, especially the time of year that we play it. I think it's very important to be playing in your, in your preseason. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I do. But there are obviously a lot more traction to the outdoor game. I mean, we've got Olympics coming up, Varsity Cup is on TV. Um, and there's a lot more reason to spend more time on the outdoor field instead of the indoor court. But we've seen the benefits of it. We, we look at Germany, look at the Netherlands, look at those teams that have very successful indoor programs lead directly into the outdoor program. Um, um, so I think I do think that um, it is growing and uh, the excitement level, especially after series uh, like the national series against Switzerland, uh, series against Ireland, more kids are saying and more, more, more senior players are saying, well, listen, indoors is, is a game that we, we should start taking seriously. Um, so I think we're on the right track again, like I said. AJ, this is Hockey 24-7, so we've spoken a lot about the, the hockey, but let's talk about the 24-7. Away from hockey, you're also a very active, fit, and, and crazy person. <laughs> um, obviously, we we were part of an Unagwaja team together many years ago. Uh, you were a cyclist, I was not, obviously. Um, but share with us, what what is it uh, that keeps you busy away from hockey? Yeah, so um, I've recently just moved into the triathlon space of things so i started my journey as a as i knew nothing about running i knew nothing about running cycling swimming um all i worried about was hockey i didn't even do much running outside of my hockey training i did whatever my coach told me to do on a tuesday and thursday i did when every other day outside of hockey i i didn't i didn't keep fit and then i i saw the video about the unagwaja challenge in end of 2012 and my mind completely changed from just wanting to be a hockey player to a different sphere of things. So I, um, Unagwaja Challenge is a 10-day cycle or 11-day challenge, but 10 days cycling from Cape Town to Maritzburg and on the 11th day doing the, um, doing the Comrades Marathon. And as a person that has never run and cycled before, I saw this video and I'm like, I want to do this. I just, it was like the switch had just, it just clicked off in my mind. The next day I had entered Comrades, not doing, literally, uh, I had not do, done a race. And that's how my journey started. I then subsequently I've run five comrades and five two oceans. Um, and then slowly but surely, the, the, my sphere of, of friends and that expanded because now I'm running with people that are like-minded. Um, I started learning a lot more. I started learning about heart rates, paces, and burning calories, which I never knew before. Um, when somebody said running four minutes a K, I had no clue what they were talking about. And, sub- and I've learned so, so much about that. And then after that, everybody's like, well, okay, you're gonna move into a triathlon. And my fear of water was at an all-time high. Um, I then said to my, I, I started doing a lot of uh, talks at schools. And I kept telling kids, like, listen, follow your dreams. Do, do the things that scare you a little bit. And then I stopped one day and I said to myself, I can't be telling these kids to, to do the things that scare you if you're not the one doing it. So I made the conscious decision to move into triathlon. Before that, I was doing a bit of duathlon. I was doing quite well at it. I started cycling, obviously, a little more, running a little bit better. Um, and then in August 2017, I, I, I did my, um, I started swimming. I went for my first swimming lesson. I could not swim a length. Um, I had a coach, uh, Cara, who really just was very patient with me. And within three weeks, I was starting to swim a lot. I started enjoying it. Um, it's still my weakest discipline. Um, but that's how my triathlon journey started in September. Tw- I think it was 24th of September 
2017, I did my first triathlon, which was a, a sprint distance race at Tiervatersklof. It was only a 600 meter swim, 20k cycle and a 5k run. But that six, 600 meter swim took me forever. The water was freezing. It was my first open water swim. I couldn't breathe because the, the, the swimming cap just felt tight. The, my goggles felt tight. Um, the wetsuit just felt like everything was... And, I, and I, I genuinely felt like giving up. But then I said to myself, well, listen, I haven't trained for the last month to, to give up now. So I trundled in in like, I think it was something like 20 minutes in the swim. It was very, very slow. Um, and since then, I've, I've, I've then moved to the bigger distance. I've now become more comfortable in open water. I've done a couple of uh, 70.3 or the half Ironmans. And I'm a few weeks out of um, doing my first full Ironman, which scares me and gives me goosebumps every time I think about it. But I'm quite excited um, to line up in, in PE on the 29th of March. And uh, I mean, AJ, obviously, I, I've seen your progress because I saw you as a, another cyclist. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't on the Unigwaja till the weekend, but I was following and chatting and and I know you had a few struggles there with, with the legs and stuff. And if I compare that now, I mean, I, I remember comrades because it's the one kilometer of comrades <laughs> I ran is with you. I remember that in, in Camperdown. Yeah, yeah no, I, every time I drive Camperdown, I think about that. Uh, so I have run at least one kilometer more of comrades <laughs> than many, many people out there. Uh, and it was great. I mean, because I saw you looking tired and you refused to give up and you finished uh, with a couple of minutes. 13 minutes this way. Yeah. And now you're running a comrades... I mean, what was your most recent or your quickest time? No, I've, I've actually, funny enough, I've never broken 11 hours in Comrades. Okay. Um, I've just, somehow that race has just absolutely nailed me. <laughs> but I, but I, I'm, I'm proud of the fact that I've finished all of them. Um, yeah, and, and, and you definitely look more comfortable finishing now than when you did in the past. And your marathons, you're running quicker times, you're cycling. I mean, you actually have a, a South African biathlete suit. Yeah, I've been very honored to be able to get one, yeah. I mean, so it's been incredible to watch, watch your journey. And what, what would you say to any kid who listens to this or any kid who, who passes this later, what is the major lesson from, you know, getting on the bicycle the first time and being sore and scared of the water and now swimming triathlon and, uh, you know, struggling to finish a marathon to finishing a company? What, what is the ultimate lesson that drives you, that keeps you motivated? I think the, the, the first thing is that, that some people think of the bigger picture straight away. And, and, and there are times that you need to, but I think you've got to think of it in small chunks. Um, I, I think the first key is obviously consistency. I know it, it, it sounds like a, a repetitive thing, but if you're consistent, you will get stronger. I think one of the keys for me in the swim was I started small and started b building up slowly to a certain level that I could swim at a certain distance at a in a certain time. Still not the greatest, but uh, <laughs> it is what it is. But I think the key is just to start. I think there's a lot of people that are out there um, that are too scared to start because they're not sure of where they want to be. I mean, I was having the conversation this morning running with a couple of guys at the Regents Club run in, in, in Durban North. And... And a lot of the guys were saying that people are not doing, for instance, a comrades because they say, oh, it's too far. But they've got to start somewhere. If you, if you start by running a park run or run a, a, a 5K around the corner, run 1K, it's a start. And I think that's the key. Um, and, and the second thing for me is to not allow people to tell you whether you can do something or not. I had a lot of people that told me, oh, you, you shouldn't do comrades. It's too far. You're too young. And I'm very... I'm, I, I've become a bit better, but I'm naturally a stubborn person. So if somebody's going to tell me you can't do it, I'm going out to prove you I can, especially if it's in my heart that I want to do something. So I think the key is that you don't allow somebody to tell you what you can and cannot do. Yeah, um, I like that because, uh, you know, myself, I, uh, 
I, I ran a few park runs, um, got my nice shirt for a milestone park run, and that built up into the, the half marathons. And, and I'll never forget the, the first or the only time I ran two oceans half, which uh, in my opinion is one of the worst half marathons mm. in the country. I think it's probably the best ultra. Mm. Um, but uh, I'd been sick with flu the whole week before and, and I shouldn't have run. But that morning I got up and I went to go run. And uh, obviously because of my times, I started in the C batch, which means you start 20 minutes after the gun. Yeah. And it's a uh, gun to mat finish. Um, and yeah, I think I, I finished about one minute or 48 seconds after the cutoff for medals. And, you know, someone said to me, but you didn't finish because you didn't get a medal. I was like, no, I finished. I just didn't medal. And mm. uh, why, why I think that's so important is it's exactly what you said. Don't let people tell you what mm. you can and can't do. My goal wasn't to medal because usually what I did with races, uh, any race I got to medal, I actually gave it to the car guard or something. I, yeah. I don't care for medals. Uh, my goal was to go run a race and I'd always wanted to be part of a, a two oceans I mean, I wanted to be part of a comrades or something, but with my knees, it's just too far a distance. Yeah. So it was great to be part of it. And, and it is the same thing. The bug bit, I started with a 5K and then you did a few park runs and you're like, okay, let me do an 8K. Once you do an 8K, okay, 10K. And it starts to build like that. So it's great to hear you say, take the first step. Uh, be consistent, be committed. And uh, for all the listeners, I think, you know, go and follow the story of AJ. Go and see how he's progressed from his running, his hockey, his coaching, his, his career. And it's all about somebody who has taken the first step and been consistent, consistently. Um, and, and that might be a redundancy, but I quite liked it. Yeah. AJ, to wrap it up, because uh, uh, I know you want to go back to give a team talk and I've got to go watch a match now. Mm. Um, I want you to pick your five favorite hockey players to watch. It can be men, women, it can be South African, can be foreign, but it must be someone you've watched before. And, and as far as possible, let's make it indoor hockey. Who are your five favorite players to watch? Um, Rua in Germany is <clears throat> somebody that I'm, I'm fascinated to watch because he's very unpredictable. He's, yeah. he's just all over the show and, he's, 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 and he's, he's just effective on the field. He's really somebody um, that I've, I'm, I really like watching. Another player is Nicky Lace. Um, Nicky is just quietly goes about his business you know um, I think he's presently captain of the of the he was captain of the Dutch side during the Euro champs and he's also a player that uh, as a defender I mean <clears throat> when you think defending when I think defending I think there's one player that I want to learn from and that's him watching him defend watching the lines and the angles that he that he um, that he plays um, I, I always learn something new from him Another one is Molly Rebecca. Uh, she's actually a good friend of mine. Um, but I like the intensity that she brings. Um, she's one of the best flickers in the world. Um, she, she just, she's, she's, just, she's a person that when I, I, I watch her and I feel inspired because of the commitment and, the, and she goes heart and soul into everything she does. Um, another player which, which, uh, which I used to enjoy playing against, funny enough, was Greg Knott. And, and, and Notti used to play at the back and um, I was a young player playing for, at that stage I was playing for Constantinburg. I just moved from Belleville to Constantinburg and I played Constantinburg in the M1 league and we're quite a strong indoor league in Cape Town back then. And just watching him play and the way he dictates play and obviously he's played indoor um, quite a lot. Um, and watching him play was, 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 
I learned a lot from him just by watching, trying to see the things that he does, the way that he moves the ball, the way that he looks. I mean, he's also quite a short player, so he's always close to the ground, always really low. Virtually impossible to try and beat him. Um, so he's he's somebody that I've I've always been uh, been fascinated to watch. And the last one I think um, from a goalkeeper perspective was Alexander Obart. And and the reason I say that is is when I when when the All Stars team was down in South Africa, just she just commands the space that she's in. Obviously, it, it, it helps that she's, that she's tall, uh, long levers, but just she, she commands the space in the end and she just moves so well through the, uh, through the circle. Um, so those are the five players that just off the top of my head that I, I've learned a lot from. Um, also, I mean, my, my goalkeeping knowledge is, is fair enough. It's good. And, I, and I've learned from, from her and from other goalkeepers that I've watched, I've learned a lot from them. So those are some of the players that I... I'm always, I always put a smile on my face when I watch them play. Yeah, and, and it's really a cool thing that, uh, you know, Christopher Rue we've seen here in South Africa recently, um, and Nicky Lace we've seen regularly with yeah. the PSI All-Stars, Alex Herbert, arguably Europe's finest goalkeeper, Marlena Redbucker. These are all players that we've seen here in South Africa. Mm. South Africa don't realise, I don't think we all realise how fortunate we've been to see the creme de la creme of indoor hockey. Uh, here in our country it's yeah and amazing. i think and to, and to play against those players is i mean that all-stars tour when we when had the all-stars team yeah jana Milavilant is another name i mean she just proves that she's i don't know i don't know how she does it by looking she just got so much time on the ball whether you're putting under pressure or not and she just picks up passes calmly goes about her business on the field um yeah and to have played against them and to have been uh, on the supports of assistant coaches african side on that side of things has been it's been a learning for us because i mean to play against top some of the best players in the world has been really special and yeah like you say just to have them in south africa we 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 don't know how lucky we are and fortunate to be able to play against the quality of of those players yeah we're blessed here in this country and it's only going to keep getting better aj thank you for the time good luck for the semi-finals and finals thank when you everybody much. listens to this we will know who the winner is so we'll uh, insert a nice little uh, comment right over here and uh I still don't know the result yet. But, uh, <laughs> thanks, uh, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, thanks, AJ, for the time. No, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having uh, me. Stay tuned on Hockey 24-7 here on tour in Durban. Uh, as Tyrant Joe Bonard, I'll catch up with as many people as I can. And uh, we'll have Derek back with us when we're back in studio in Johannesburg. Thanks, everybody. See you soon.